We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. Thank God it's... And welcome to the Lindley Evans Music Studio at the ABC in Ultimo for another edition of Thank God It's Friday. I'm Richard Glover and this week with the music, it's the musical muscle of Chase the Sun. And our panel, Wendy Harmer, Gary Eck, Mikey Robbins. And our audience this week from Dubbo, Hazelbrook, Queenby and Thrall, Ultimo and Gosford. Gosford! The first here is the news from nowhere. Well, that's the best piece of journalism I've ever seen in the newspaper, said my workmate. He put his coffee down and stared at his laptop screen in admiration. Which story, I asked. The Kate McClymont piece about ICAC? No, 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 he said. That was okay. I mean the story about the British removalists. Oh, of course, I knew the one he meant, but I had to correct a point of detail. Not just British removalists, I said, but burly British removalists. Yes, my friend agreed. They were burly removalists, and yet they were still scared by a huntsman spider. I was forced to jump in once more. A huntsman spider, which, according to the BBC, was the size of a guinea pig. (laughs) Yes, my friend agreed. A huntsman spider, the size of a guinea pig. At that point, we just both sat there for a while and considered the story. As published midweek, it was a simple enough tale. A couple had moved from Australia to Britain... A huntsman spider had insinuated itself into their shipping container. A supervisor at the removalist company was quoted. He ran two miles up the road when he first saw it, he said, describing one of the removalists. (laughs) Sorry, one of the burly removalists. (laughs) My friend took another sip of coffee. I said, I'm not even sure what, what burly means. Oh, said my friend, it means strong, muscular, very large. These men are the best the UK can offer. These are gods among normal people, and yet when confronted with a measly, placid, friendly, mosquito-devouring huntsman spider, the poor things run for the hills. I mean, he said, if a burly pom is this scared, imagine what a normal-sized pom would do. (laughs) We sat there a moment longer letting the tale capture our hearts. That defeat in the cricket, somehow, it had lost its sting. They clearly don't realise they're harmless, said my friend, interrupting the silence. If he was found in an Australian house, he'd be treated like a member of the family. (laughs) I nodded in agreement. Oh, that's the least of it. He'd be given a nickname. Hairy legs, something cute like that. Or maybe Mr Hairy. If you had a toddler, she'd treat him like a pet. She'd sing him lullabies at night. We savoured some more. The British really had stuffed up in 1942 when they failed to hold Singapore. (laughs) Disappointed, 
we were ropeable. <laughs> then there was that thing, I think it was 1973, when they joined Europe and stopped buying our lamb chops. That wasn't good either. It was good to see them get their comeuppance. I have a, I have a cousin in the UK, I said. I have a brother, he said. We went back to our laptops. Should we send the story direct on Facebook Messenger, my friend asked, or put it on Facebook, then tag them? I took a sip of coffee. Best to do both. That's what I did with the flying fox story. He looked at me quizzically. I had to explain. It was late last year and the Times of London reported that flying foxes were proving a problem in Australia. The Times particularly focused on the size of the animal. The flying fox, the paper confided, the whole name of it grew from the fact that the animals were the size of foxes. <laughs> Essentially, it was a fox with wings. The way the paper carried on, you could see them dive-bombing sheep and carrying the bleating animals back to their nests. Of course, I'd sent the link to my cousin so she might better understand how brave I must be to walk out my front door each morning, a man dive-bombed by winged foxes. Better still, the story had come just after Mick Fanning had punched that shark. <laughs> oh, oh, that was great, said my friend. I love that story. I asked, did, did you send the Mick Fanning video to your... To your brother? Oh, yes, said my friend. I posted that video wherever I could. I told everyone we're given shark defence lessons in primary school and that Mick was just doing what every Australian is taught to do when confronted by a shark. You punch them. <coughs> Me too, I said. Plus, I sent them the Australian Museum official entry on the drop bear, a large arboreal predatory marsupial related to the koala around the size... It says on the official Australian Museum website, about around the size of a leopard or very large dog. Now, that really freaked them out. My friend purred with pleasure. Oh, they must think we are so brave. What, with airborne foxes and then the drop bears, spiders the size of guinea pigs, and the need to punch a shark just in order to have a weekend swim? I nodded grimly. We're brave, all right. I'm brave. You're brave. And we're not even that burly. <laughs> and that's the news from nowhere. I Wendy Harmer would not be afraid of a huntsman, neither would Mikey Robbins. I love that, uh, Richard. No. I think, you know, in Australia, I think uh, what people uh, overseas perhaps don't realise <laughs> is if you haven't had a brush with death, you haven't put in a full day. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, isn't yeah. it? Uh, I'll never get to see my grandfather get carried off by redback spiders when I was six years of age. <laughs> How many did it take, Mikey? Oh, just two, because they're about the size of a Volkswagen, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Let us check that you are up with this week's news. Who found himself trumped by someone who was worse than I am? Yeah, well, this is the uh, this is uh, Malcolm Turnbull and Donald Trump. Their conversation, which they had uh, a while back, uh, is actually they've they've leaked the transcript. Every so they, single word. Every yeah. single word. Yeah, even the bit where it gets interrupted by an Optus caller. Seeing if <laughs> are you happy with your long distance? Um, <laughs> it was kind of a weird moment. They were both stumped there, but it's but it's 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 kind of word for word. And, and Mal- I think actually Malcolm Turnbull actually comes off the worst here. You know, he said kind of stuff like. Um, 
Look, we don't mind, uh, you know, we'd rather one of your guys that are, you know, that aren't so good than a, than a Nobel Prize winner coming here on a boat. Like, <laughs> that, that, that moment where he was, you know, Trump was saying, well, they're in prison and Turnbull had to explain to them, well, they're only in prison because we, we, we put them in a detention centre. <laughs> and he said, well, what are you the detention centre for? Well, they came by a boat. That's harsh. <laughs> and, you know, when Trump tells you you're being harsh or cruel, it's like Gordon Ramsay saying you need anger management. <laughs> but, we know, part of it, part of it, I think, was really banal, you know, as well, because you have this idea where maybe world leaders talk to each other. They, they sort of talk in this rarefied air of, you know, international diplomacy and, you know... But it's really, uh, you know, uh, you know how's, uh, how's a shark going on? Not too bad. And actually, they've just released a, um, a, a transcript, I don't know whether you know this, from the G20 summit uh, between Malcolm Turnbull talking to Canadian PM Justin Trudeau. Mm. And it goes like this. Justin, good day, mate. How's it hanging? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, all good. This entrees bien, you. <laughs> oh, I can't complain. Hey, listen, anyway, doing this weekend, anything this weekend? Wife's well, got me going down to Bunnings to pick up a new life fitting. Why don't you come over after that? Want me to bring anything? Yeah, no, we non. Uh, but <laughs> 700 ml of Blunt, Bundy OP, six cans of Coke, that'll do. Righto, see you then. Don't tell bloody Trump was on, will you? <laughs> Don't want that bastard ruining the afternoon. So, you know, but, that, but the, it is really, it's so informal like that, well, you know. It's bizarre, Pass on me best to the shark, no worries, yeah. you know. Well, even more informal, on the back of that, they've also just released the uh, the, the transcript of the, of the Trump-Putin um, <laughs> uh, conversation, which starts with, what are you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> and it finishes with, no, you hang up first. <laughs> I mean, Gary, you say, you say that, uh, that uh, uh, Turnbull comes out worse than Trump, but Trump is the one who is obviously fighting for the word to describe a dairy farmer and he can't find the term, so he describes the possibility that, yes, the refugees could come to, a st- to America and work as local milk people. <laughs> Actually, I local believe, milk, milk people. people. I, I, I believe local milk people was a dance band from the nineties. Very fond of their work. But let's also let's not forget that this is not only you know Trump. I don't know Turnbull as out Trump. Trump. But it's also been where the Mooch. Yes. The, yeah. the Mooch, a man so pathetic, he came up with his own nickname. He said, hey, I'm the Mooch. He came up with that. I came up with that. Call me the Mooch. Get out of here. Yeah. Is that, that's just not a, that's just, you're not allowed to come up with your own nickname. No one yeah. in Australia comes up with it's their a, own nickname. It's a great name, though, Scaramucci. I'm the Mooch. It's like some film noir, you know. So he's, a, he's appointed as White House Communications <laughs> guy. He, he lasts. Ten days. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> seriously, appointing this guy, White House Communications, it's like appointing Charles Manson cruise ship entertainment director. <laughs> it's a terrifying thought. But one of the reasons why he got he got shown in the door was he outdonned the Don. Yeah. And they, they said he was more Trump than Trump. But what I loved, and this is how dysfunctional the White House is, the man he replaced, Sean Spicer, was still there to release the press release <laughs> on the Mooch going. <laughs> I believe this is how a black hole starts. Because <laughs> technically the Mooch wasn't ma- meant to begin until August 15th. That's right. That's right. Actually, on his CV, it's wor- he's now worked negative 14 days. Because yeah. <laughs> that, that would never happen in Australia because no one in this country starts work early. Oh, exactly. <laughs> no oh, no one's going to rock up and go, I might just wander around and help out for free. <laughs> actually, actually, this is the shortest length of time the Mooch has held a job 
since she was whacked in the first episode of The Sopranos. <laughs> I, lo- I love the meme that someone put out where this is actually fact, that if you bought a bottle of milk on the day he was hired, it would still be fresh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is more than can be said for his language. Oh, yeah. oh don't even go. Do you think that milk, was, was that milk made by the local milk people? <laughs> <laughs> okay, who, who yelled, how's that? This week, who yelled? How's that? Oh, well, this is the cricketers, of course. They've come to an agreement, uh, and uh, because we were looking at a cricketless summer, uh, who would have appreciated a cricketless summer? Oh, oh hands up! Yeah. Oh, well, you big traitors! Yeah. Stay out on strike. Who would have noticed the difference? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone would have noticed. I, um, you know, the, the, the idea of, of a cricketless summer. For, for those of you who dislike the idea, I, I understand that you. Should leave this country immediately. <laughs> um, for the rest of us, it's terrifying. Well, you know, I, well, I was really worried about Mikey. I was really, really worried about the mental health of the cricketers themselves because I thought, you know, if they're not out there on the field during summer, I mean, how are they going to cope? Because they'd have to take to the streets and start sledging random strangers <laughs> down bus stops and at the pub. <laughs> I mean, you know, you'd be standing outside Central and you hear Dave Warner with a megaphone, hey, there's a bus coming. If you can't catch anything else, maybe you can catch this, you big loser. <laughs> or you'd be at the pub, say, and Nathan Lyon standing at the bar going, hey, mate, would you like me to bowl up a poker machine? See if you can play that. <laughs> and what about their families? They would have suffered too. Like, imagine Steve Smith at the dinner table. Can't bowl, can't bat, can't make spaghetti. And you would have had Mitchell Stark sledging the cat as well. That's not a fastball, it's a furball, you wanker. <laughs> so I'm actually glad that they're going back yeah, yeah. onto the field and leaving all of us alone. Look, okay, I, I, this isn't just men. This can be women as well, but you have to be... Well, at least you have to pretend or give the, the impression that you're into cricket. Because we all know what cricket is really good for. Okay, um... Partner says we're going to Woolies. Ah, uh, love Smith's on ninety-five. Uh. Can we just see how this pans out? And she has no idea. Three days later, Smith's on ninety-five. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just waiting till this match finishes. Oh, half an hour, five days. <laughs> uh, there's always that moment in a Test match where you have the non-cricketing friend who halfway through the second day goes. Who's winning? Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I did a really ridiculous the... thing. Um, you know, what was the sponsor of the Indian cricket team? They were an oil company and they had, oh, their thing across the back. I can't remember what the name of the oil company. Do you um, remember? Oh. Um, um, oh can... Quick. If we had Google. No, no, no. <laughs> anyway, it was sort of like Exxon or something. I can't remember the name of it. Or Imperial, Local oil people. Imperial yeah. or whatever. <laughs> Local oil people, yes. Anyway, so I'm stupidly walking back and forth between the lounge room and I said to Brendan, I said, geez, there's a lot of those Imperial brothers, aren't they? <laughs> and he went, you idiot, that's the name of the sponsors. And I thought, oh, I thought they were like the War Brothers or something like that. Seriously, I mean, the other thing too is, for people who, who like the other variation of the game, there was a lot of money tied up. This Channel 10 was counting on the Big Bash. Because otherwise the only phrase you hear around the, the Channel 10 corridors at the moment is, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that's All right, well. who, who has pressed the next stop button for bus drivers? Who's pressed the next stop 
button for bus drivers? Well, this is um, well. Basically, they're talking about automating uh, the buses. Uh, not all of them, just yet. That'd be a bit of a disaster. But just the ones in Olympic Park where no one actually uses the buses there. <laughs> yeah, last time I looked, we walked. Yeah. Didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's not a plan of the distant future. They have actually launched a driverless bus. In Sydney, I mean, in Olympic Park. Which, which you well, know, I mean, for in Olympic Park, if I remember the last time I went to the rugby, my wife picked me up in Penrith. <laughs> but um, see, here's my thing. It's not just the fact that I'm frightened of someone not being in control of the engine, but I have this dreadful theory that we are basically one step away from being Lord of the Flies. And if the bus driver as one simple, as the one authority figure on the bus, by three stops... We'll be chasing fatty around the buses <laughs> and light, lighting around fires and screaming out, kill the pig. And, and the next thing you know, out comes the conscience and the snow stops till Gosford. You know, but why don't I don't understand? Are we really, really, really short of bus drivers? I mean, really. Is there a national drought of people who can close a folding door on a mother with a pram halfway up the steps? <laughs> I mean, really. Are there no people left in this great nation who can pull out into a line of traffic with no indicators? Really? Do we have to import people who don't check the rear vision mirror and run it, notice it running down the street with a bag of shopping? Oh, this is appalling. Do we, in short, do we have a shortage of people with peripheral vision? This is, we don't. But they are becoming obsolete. I mean, we've got to face that because already they don't even take money anymore. They, they just, we just swipe our Opal cards and we go on. They're not kind of doing anything. I propose get rid of bus drivers, but... No, 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 no. No, 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 but just allow them... Just to wander around the bus and have a conversation like oh, they like, used to. Like, like the old conductor yeah, used to. Yeah, like, g'day, mate, how's it going? Yeah, we're yeah. off to work, eh? Yeah, yeah that's get a good. I used to have a job too myself, yeah, not yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I just you drive chaps. people and then, crazy and, now. And then he'll have time to say, you chaps chasing fatty around the back, can you stop it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Put yeah. down the conch. Look, my dad, my dad was a bus driver. He, when he, he retired, he was a diplomat. He became a bus driver. So, so did he always have to go upstairs to smoke? Well, he used to have, like, micro He was a diplomat and he became a bus driver. Yeah, for 10 years. He wow. drove buses. Were there, were there any he was the oldest bus driver in Sydney. He was undercover. He was undercover. <laughs> I actually got... See, if we don't have bus drivers, who was school children going to torment? That's right. Remember, there was nothing better when you were in year eight and you found out the bus driver's first name? Eric! Faster! Eric! Faster! <laughs> Try that I with Google. And thank God it's Friday. Wendy Harmer's here, Mikey Robbins, and Gary Eck, actually, who's emceeing the Bay Run this Sunday. Yes. It's a great Sydney tradition. It's mm. a great charity event. You, you'll be running yourself, I assume. Well, kind of. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be on the microphone uh, Actually, Gary, people. don't sell yourself short. You yeah. are a bit of a fitness nut, I'm right? a bit of a fitness, but I was going to run it, and then they asked me, would you mind running it? So <laughs> I'm actually going to be emceeing the event, uh, which is on Sunday. You can just rock up. You don't have to register online. You can just turn up on the day, uh, 7.45. And it's right. a beautiful little course, isn't it, around... Uh, it's a beautiful of course, seven Ks. It's uh, a nice little run, and I think the, I mean the nice little run. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, mean the, the. It's all right for you. You're a racing tadpole. You know, I know. Well, the, the, rest the winner's going to do it in under twenty minutes. Oh, like they just, they literally just sprint. They just go wow. out and they sprint it, and then they uh, 
Yeah, they just well, lap everyone. I, I hope they have a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I tried to get you into it, Richard. But... Well, coming up, I'm going to uh, die here on stage because I'm going to do the Wheel of Death. Mm. Uh, it has been put to me that since I make people do the Wheel of Death week after week after week that I invented this torment for all our kind That's guests right. that yeah. at some stage That's I right, should Richard. take it on myself. How hard can it <laughs> yes. be? That's right. How hard can it be? So anyway, that's coming up. So please take your time with the next question. <laughs> is that why you were crying in the corridor just before? Well, the trouble is I asked Wendy because I'm on radio until five. So I said, Wendy, can you come down and the, the lovely audience throw topics onto the board yeah. and can you, you know, just help Maybe by writing? happily right, done. Right, yeah, right. But I find that the you. topics are not the normal topics, Wendy. <laughs> no, well, no, well, these are all suggestions yeah. from the, the audience. <laughs> the topics seem slightly more difficult than usual, oh, I Wendy. I don't think so. <laughs> Someone's being a bit precious. <laughs> we'll come to that in a second. Now, new Sydney University research shows that the shift to artificial sweeteners is actually making us fatter as the brain gets told to expect an influx of calories, gets nothing, and then goes searching for food. Researchers fed fruit flies, a combination of low-carb and artificial sweeteners, the sort of virtuous combination of someone trying to diet, only to find the fruit flies were getting so hungry they ate everything in sight and got fatter and fatter and fatter and fatter and fatter. Which food fad did you embrace and did it work? Mikey Robbins. Oh, mate, I've been on every diet under the sun. <laughs> Seriously, um, you're, you're, talking, you're talking to a boy who's 10 years of age was going to Weight Watchers meetings. And doing well with the older ladies. <laughs> uh, but um, I think the weirdest one my, 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 was my mother's idea, and it was big at the time. The older folk will know what I remember this one. It was the Israeli army diet. Uh-huh, yes. Well, you ate nothing but chicken for two days, then you ate nothing but bananas for two days, then you ate nothing but cheese for two days, then you got really cranky and marched up the Golan Heights, <laughs> had a small battle and came back down again. <laughs> Formed a settlement in Palestinian territory. And um, you're supposed to do this for a couple of weeks. I've done the, I've done the, I've done the five, two, the two, five, the seven, the four, B, two. That's where you eat, that's where you eat nothing but wood. Um, I've, done the, I've done the five, two, uh, and I, I took my shirt off recently in front of a friend, and he said, have you considered the four, three? That's <laughs> always cruel. Yeah. Well, you know, I, um, I've decided, I'm not really that mad on the old food fads, but I am going to go on the fruit fly diet because, let's face it, over the years they've been fed everything, haven't they, <laughs> fruit flies? They've tested out uh, caffeine on them, uh, organifi- uh, modified food, the effects of caffeine, sugar, carbohydrates. So I just figure I'm just going to cut out the middleman and go on the fruit fly fad food diet. <laughs> it goes like this, breakfast, fruit fly French toast, lunch, fruit fly falafel and feta, Ugh. Dinner, fruit fly with flathead with fruit fly and fruit fly rice. And for afters, fruit fly flan or fruit fly flummery with flood fruit fly flambe. Doesn't nice. that sound delicious? Nice, yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Gary, have you, you, you wouldn't do it. I'm, on a, you, I can't you're, really afford to go on a diet. I just waste away. You're but, as thin uh, as anything. I know, I know. But I can recommend a few. I've uh-huh. got a few if anyone's interested. Um, there's the, uh, the Donald Trump diet, uh-huh. which is very effective. You just look at a photo and you're instantly nauseous. <laughs> you, you can't eat for days. You just, um, it's weird because I looked at the, the recipes and they're all American recipes. But then when I looked at it again, they were suddenly Russian. 
Um, <laughs> which is kind of weird. There's the, cli- the climate change diet. Uh, first you deny it exists and then you just eat whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, the, Kung- the Kim Jong-un diet. Um, it's just in its testing phases at the moment. Um, oh, it's more short term. They're looking to go long range in a minute. Um, I actually wanted that they reckon it might land in America at any time soon. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting if you tried it. Like you start off with a continental breakfast and then you move on to an intercontinental ballistic <laughs> missile breakfast. <laughs> And then the uh, the uh, the full buffet nuclear be- uh, breakfast. But it's, it's amazing. He wants to destroy so many people. Why can't he just start with one? He's barber. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I got I got a couple more. If you're yeah, 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 please. Well, I'm on. Uh, I, I want to delay the moment of the wheel of yeah. death as long as possible. Well, actually, that's interesting because there's the Anthony uh, Sa- 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 Scaramucci diet. Mm-hmm. Um, it only lasts for 10 days, which is great. So. <laughs> um, the and, then idea... get, and then you go for a purging. You know? Yeah, well, the thing is, the idea is you can't actually eat anything because you just yell obscenities <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. Uh, there's a Pauline Hansen diet. Uh, it was no Asian food. Um, <laughs> you order the food, but then uh, you have to, well, you order it via go-back-home delivery. Um, <laughs> If it's not out of the country in 30 minutes, uh, you, you put on weight. Yep. Weird rules. There's a Facebook diet. Um, I didn't like it, so. Oh. That's, that's very funny on many levels. Um, people will be driving, I don't groan. I, I, I spent a long time writing that joke. That, was... you know, you know, that joke, I bought it on cute, but not cute enough. <laughs> I know, it's one of those groans. Um, and uh, that's it. I don't have any more diet fads. Well, just... in that case, do you want to take, uh, take over the microphone and oh. you, you be me and I'll oh, be you yeah. and we'll do the Wheel of Death. All right. We're going to do the Wheel of Death. So those of you uh, at home, you don't know, this. there is a giant wheel here. It's red and uh, Wendy has been very gracious like to get to, uh, suggestions. Would you like the categories, Seth, or your Oh, yeah. Do you want to? Uh... All right. Well, why don't you do that? Norm, norm... Oh, how do you do it normally? Well, normally the categories are... The... Topics people choose are really like easy things like cat, yeah, But this dog. is what people did yell out for you, Richard. What? I don't know what you're whinging about. Mm. It's no different from normal. Look, we've got the Hadron Collider. We have got the frescoes of Venice from 1700 to 1850. We've got quantum physics Hilarious. there. We've got iambic pentameter. What else have we got? It's all about you, Richard, isn't it? Nanoparticles. We've got the second law of thermodynamics. (laughs) We have got, uh, what's that one? Stem cell research. Uh, Pyroscuro in the works of Rembrandt. That's pretty easy. We've got uh, the early works of Mendelssohn. What's going on this? See, if Malcolm had led in the Nobel Prize winner, this would be easy. You know? That's right. Sous vide cooking. We've got lithium-ion battery technology. We've got mechanotronics and the Heidelberg School. Uh, I should uh, put a, the, developing neural pathways. <laughs> How hard can it be? Um, Let's go. The wheel of death. Here we go. Round and round it goes. Where it lands, nobody knows. What is it going to be? I don't even, can't even, oh, okay, yeah. lithium. Lithium-ion battery technology. Oh, there, there you go. 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 <laughs> lithium-ion battery technology has opened up this new world where Elon Musk has been able to build these huge batteries in South Australia in order to solve all the problems of the economy there. Yeah, we know this that. Technology... It's not particularly funny. So that's <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, Richard, it is funny. Oh, on, this, this technology has developed from the mobile phone batteries and has replaced the normal batteries, which really 
were a pain in the neck for anyone who tried to run a solar outfit. Now, I have got a solar outfit. I have got a solar outfit on my little play farm, which I've had for years, and it is a pain in the neck. It's terrible. The batteries go bust all the time. And you go entirely insane, and you have to try to go out and try to put them into the car to try to recharge them, and then they go flat, and then you have to climb up the ladder with these really heavy batteries. It's hell on earth. And so it is so wonderful to see this new technology being formed. And also, the, as we all know, Elon Musk is the smell a horny yak makes. What's <laughs> <laughs> that smell? Mm, Elon Musk. <laughs> but uh, you, that was Mikey's joke, not yours, Richard. No, I know, I do understand that. Um, but do you want to hear about my little block of land in the country? Because uh, the, solar, the, batteries, the batteries are connected with solar panels, which are on the roof of a mud brick house, which I built myself. So perhaps, oh. so perhaps I could very tentatively move to that side. Oh, no, no. Actually, for those that are not old, remember, so. what are the cowhead, Grandpa? <laughs> so the mud brick... Do you want to know how you make mud bricks in order, to, in order to rest your solar panels on top in order to connect to the battery? Yes. Taxi for yeah. Mr Glover. What you, what you have to do is you dig a hole in the ground and you fill it full of the mud and the straw and the water and then you have to mix it like a, a, a cake. And the first time we ever did it, which was 30 years ago, we were trying to do it. It was really hard. Me and my mate Phil and the women were standing back, as women do, with their arms folded, saying... Oh, nice one. Saying, saying oh, look, you know, you're doing it all wrong. We can do it. And then both women got into the, the little pool of mud... Oh, here we go. Having taken off all their clothes <laughs> and they kind of wrestled together in mud. <laughs> and Philip and I looked back and thought, two semi-naked women wrestling in mud and still producing a useful building material, <laughs> a building material that could later be used to put solar panels on top of connected to a battery. We thought, life doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful tangent there. I love it, sir. Are you going to be? Are you going to be our relief teacher all week? <laughs> you tell the best stories, oh, lover. Oh, that's hell. It is he thought up this idea. You, you, did. Oh. you did. Tommy will be back next week. <laughs> oh, now you've got to say whether I lived or died. Oh, does he? Does he live or does he die? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he lives. Oh, he lives. Oh, oh, <laughs> The Mormon yeah. turn. I say he lives. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> just, just. The lions held at bay. You drew a long bow on that one, son. <laughs> now, here's a weird st- uh, status symbol. An original New South Wales licence plate from 1910. It's the plate number four. It just has a four on it. Uh, it's up for sale. It's expected to fetch between 1.2 million and 1.4 million. How do you express your personality in terms of your car? By the car itself, the number plates, the bumper stickers, the fluffy dice hanging from the mirror. Do we really need to spend 1.4 million to make ourselves notice, Mikey? Just press your buttocks up against the windscreen. <laughs> gets me, gets me, gets me, uh, gets me attention and out of tolls all the time. <laughs> Light just bounces off. Yeah. Actually, I've got to admit, uh, I was in, I was in one of Sydney's more um, uppity suburbs uh, recently. And there was a rather flash Mercedes out the front of the bottle shop. And I'm not kidding you, the number plate was dealer. And I thought, unless you're into real estate, you're about to be arrested, sunshine. <laughs> I think that, you know, if I saw someone, I wouldn't waste my money on a number plate. I wouldn't spend a million dollars on number plate number four. Because the, the thing, weird thing is if that someone drove past me with the number plate number four, I'd instantly think, 
Oh, I wonder who's got number one and two and three. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You're not meddling, son. You're not on the podium. You're not even getting a bronze with number four. Yeah. It is pathetic. Actually, number four is that's a thanks for coming award. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's it. But I like to personalise my car. This is the way I do it. I just figure out that the number of dings I have on it, and there's one on almost every panel, warns the chick in the nippy Honda Jazz to get out of my face. You know, it's like <laughs> Kathy Bates in Fried Green Tomatoes. Face it, girls. I'm Older than you, and I have more insurance. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> it is great if you've yeah. got, you got enough marks on your car. Yeah, I find this. I've got, I've got a very beaten up car, and all I have to do is put on the indicator on Anzac Bridge, and everyone gets out of my way. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it, I recommend it. it. How do you personalise your car, Gary? Well, I mean, I, I keep thinking of it. I love that idea of. Uh, Number four, number plate. Does that mean there would have only been four cars at one stage I guess in so, our yeah. history? This is 1910. So this is 1910. Imagine if that was involved in a, a, a crime. How easy would it be to remember? <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, it was number number four or three. I can't remember. <laughs> well, the traffic reports back or then would have... Or it's that guy with dealer written yeah, on his yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can't the traffic report. Yeah. Things are really backed up. One, two, three and five are out today. <laughs> Well, not even that. It's like it's a clear, uh, well, it's pretty much uh, open everywhere, really. There's no cars whatsoever. Uh, you can go anywhere, any which way you like. Do you think they would have had crashes between one, two and three and four? <laughs> I'm, that I'm actually up, positive that they had crashes on one. I, just feel, I still don't reckon they know how to get on a roundabout in any order. But you, couldn't have a, you could not have a five-car pile-up, though, could you? <laughs> That's true. How, how, how bored would parking inspectors be? Just kind of like hoping that one, two and three rock up. But, uh, <laughs> you again. Yeah, you. Yeah. But you know, Rich, I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I'm not really a car person at all. But um, I'm always amazed at the people that are. Like you know, those people that just are, like they they turn their cars into stereos. Mm-hmm. Like those massive. Doof, 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 doof. Yeah, yeah. And you see them. Like I was in Parramatta recently, and this guy pulls up beside me. The whole thing's just shaking, and he's looking at me, going, "Yeah, how cool I am." And I'm thinking, "What am I going to do?" I, you know, I turn up my podcast on nutritional, you know, kale and try. You know, try to get a load of that, buddy. Yeah, huh? Yeah, you're, you're lacking vitamins. You know, I can't exactly turn you up, Richard. You know, I'm listening to ABC 702, and you know, there's Richard with Simon Money. Yeah, that'll teach you, won't it, buddy? Actually, actually, no, no, that, that will teach him. That will teach him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I did notice the guy took off very quickly. <laughs> You're just saying, oh, oh, yes, that sounds. Is that is that recipe from Simon on the website? <laughs> yeah, he would have been fascinated. He I was, think, he I was. But he the did. car fell apart from all the vibrations <laughs> of the subwoofer. Uh, now we talked earlier about the mooch, Anthony Scaramucci, and how he was in his job for anything between ten days and negative two weeks. What's the shortest you've been in a job? Mm. Did you quit? Or were you shown the door, Gary Eck? Mm, yes, well, uh, same day. Um, <laughs> well, when I was little, I was 10 years old. I lived near a pool, uh, Tempe Pool, actually. It's still there today. And um, I thought I'll try and get a, I'll see if I can get a job. And I went up to the guy. I said, have you got any jobs, odd jobs? And the guy said, oh, yeah, yeah, no worries. It'll be great, mate. And he gives me this job cleaning the tiles in the pool. Like, you know where the water, just above the water where the sort of the grime is? Yeah. Right around the pool is like a 25-metre pool. But I forgot. That's not grime. That's encrusted children's <laughs> Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. It was because it was just full of kids. But I didn't negotiate a pay nor what he was going to pay me. So I go afterwards, right, I'm exhausted. I do this for hours. I say, oh, look, uh, yeah, um, you know, can I, can I get paid? And he goes, oh, yeah, no worries, mate. No worries. Come over here. And he opens up. He goes to the Space Invader machine. He opens up the top. And he gives me 20 credits. 
Like he clicks, just click, 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 click. Then he looks at me and goes, mate, you did a good job, here's another one. Click. I thought you were insane. I'm thinking, oh, no. I said, that's it, I quit. But at least, I, well, I played the games first. Uh, I, I'd have thought that was cool. Uh, it was, but I'd already, I used to go there anyway playing oh, right. the games. Yeah. It's like he must have seen me going, oh, well, he loves Space Invaders. It's more than they're paying the people at 7-Eleven, though. So I know. Yeah, that's yeah, true, that's, that's true. But then I became a stand-up comic where you pretty much, you, 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 you get fired every night when you you're do. starting out with the audience. Get off, go on, yeah. bring the next guy what's, on. What's the worst night? What's the worst night as a stand-up? Oh, I've had so many. I did a gig in Dubbo, actually. I know there's someone here from, from Dubbo. It was like a... It was now, a, they've come back to see you. I know. That's great to see you, yeah. Because you, you got booed off the stage so quickly, they want to see the end of your act. Mate, it, this, 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 this was so horrendous. All I, all I got throughout my entire act, right, was because it was at the Dubbo RSL, was number 27, your stake is ready, number 27. <laughs> the courtesy bus is now leaving. The courtesy bus is now leaving with 27 stake if you don't hurry up. And the guy making the announcements was using my microphone. Like, like that's how hard this gig was. It was just awful, you know. And I got replaced by the chook raffle. Guy comes up. Goes, oh, mate, that's enough there. Uh, you're doing okay. That's enough there, buddy. Okay, let's give away a chook. <laughs> you know, Tim Smith, you know, the comic Tim Smith, he tells a great story that he was doing a gig one night and he had a bloke who was doing sign language uh, by oh. signing his act. And anyway, the, he was going down a storm. It was fantastic. The whole audience at the end, they all round of applause, huge. You know, whether everybody wanted an encore. And so Tim walked back out and everyone went, no, no, not you, the other guy. Which <laughs> <laughs> I my One of my worst stand-up gigs, though, this is an absolute classic. Um, this was years and years ago. <laughs> spot, the, spot the obvious mistake in the first sentence. I was hired to emcee a circus night under a big top in Adelaide. Okay. So I get there and the audience is about 30 people there. They've made, you know, they haven't advertised it properly or anything in this huge tent. It was the worst setup ever. Like the sound system, well, the delay was like so bad. I would tell a joke and by the time the laugh come back, I'd kind of groan as a person. You know, that's how bad it was. But anyway, um, the clowns weren't funny. They were, they were more violent, really, the clowns. And, they tend to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The acrobats had left citing a long list of health and safety concerns. And um, anyway, the highlight was supposed to be, <laughs> you will, this has resonance of your story, was supposed to be these two gals wrestling in jelly, the jelly wrestling. Um, and, um, you know, I sort of went down to do a little bit of a pre-interview them with the, before they got stuck into it. Only uh, the blow-up pool they had, but look at it to me, it didn't look like it was full of jelly at all. And then I realised, um, you know, well, it, it was because it was, it was full of a sort of brown stuff. And so I was talking to them through a pre-match interview and I asked one lovely lady, I said, um, so um, what's uh, happening tonight? There doesn't seem to be any jelly. And she said, oh, aeroplane jelly reckons we give jelly a bad name. <laughs> so we decided to wrestle in Grey Fox. <laughs> um. Can, can, uh, can, can I just say, uh, I, 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 I know my wife's listening at home. Get the inflatable pool on the grey box now. I'll be home in about 45 anyway, minutes. Anyway, so, and, and meanwhile, Gary is offering to clean the pool. Oh, yeah. I so I just, you know, I just rang for the exits at that stage. I didn't even hang around. I just ran off. And I, to this day, I just regret uh, that I forgot to ask whether it was peppercorn or onion flavoured because <laughs> I think that would have just... 
<laughs> you know, capped off the evening. And did they get fresh every night? <laughs> well, I don't know. That yeah. mean I hung around that long. But Mike, Mike uh, Robbins, what, what, what did you have the shortest job? My, my shortest job was when I was a young young man living in the eastern suburbs of Sydney as an, as an unemployed writer, stroke comedian, stroke dishwasher. My dishwashing job finished up and I was walking around the corner and there was a local... Um, China shop. Remember the reject China shops? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was coming up to Christmas and they said, um, gift wrapper in case you wanted. So I walked in. <laughs> right, before I go any further, the studio ones can see, I don't have ten fingers, I have ten sausages. <laughs> I mean, I have finger worst. <laughs> and <laughs> I am the worst gift wrapper in the world. And I said, no, I... Ever possessed you to think that... It was money, and they seemed like nice old ladies. (laughs) And seriously, me me wrapping a flat plate, it came out looking like it was designed by Frank Gehry. There were just bits going off everywhere and sticky tape. Anyway, so I got to the end of the day, and and the the nicer of the two little old ladies came over, and I said, "Um, what what, what time do you want me tomorrow? And she went, it's going to be really sunny tomorrow. Be a lovely to go, day to go to the beach, wouldn't it? And I went, you don't want me back. <laughs> Put some SP15 on. <laughs> so I, I lasted one shift as a gift wrapper. Uh, I, mind you, I did pay my way through university doing kids' parties as a clown. Um, oh, so you related to Wendy's story about the oh, evil clown. Yeah, Were you an evil clown or a good no, clown? No, I, I, I had my evil clown if I did the kids' parties with another kid. I was mildew. Mildew the clown, and, and 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 then I had my nice clown Morris. But you can read about that in my autobiography, Mummy Why Is the Clown Swearing? <laughs> <laughs> well, so Mildew the clown. This no, no, Mildew was my nasty clown. Uh. And then Morris was my 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 my, my lovable. How did you How decide you? which clown you were going to roll oh, out of any particular well, event? Simple. If there, was, if there was another clown next to me, I was the nasty one. If there was another clown next to me, I was the nice one. And then things got blurred one day. I did a party up past East Maitland. You got time for this story? Mm. It's Pretty ugly. It was a two-hour story. And so I did the kids' party for the... First thing, I arrived in my, in my civilian clothes. i got to put my clown gear on. And there's just the dad there. And he goes, you want a beer? I went, no, mate, it doesn't look good to drink in front of the kids. I'm Morris the Clown, right? <laughs> so I started doing a clown show. He comes out with a Sesame Street mug with a head on it. He goes, here's a, beer, here's a coffee for Mr. Clown. I went, oh, okay, fine. Knock <laughs> so I knocked back a few beers. I did the face painting. The kids knock off. I've still got an hour to kill before his wife gets home and I can actually get a lift back into the train station to go back into Newcastle. Happy days. So I said, mate, come Oh, showbiz, eh? Oh, no, it gets better. It gets better. I said, mate, anything else I can do for you while I'm here? And it was the 80s. He said, look, I just bought a VCR at the pub. You know how to set these things up. And, and I did. And I, I was the guy that always... So I'm sitting in the VCR, but I said, mate, I, I need a tape. Have you got a tape? He said, you've got this one with uh, some woman called Debbie in it. <laughs> I think it's a geographical tape. She, she, apparently she goes to Dallas. Anyway, so, I, so I'm there in my clown gear on with a beer in one hand and a Sesame Street mug, tuning in to tell you to Debbie does Dallas. That's when his wife walks in, looks at, him, looks at me and looks at him and she says, something wrong here. <laughs> the clown has to leave. The glories of showbiz. There's that great showbiz joke, isn't there, about, about a circus and the guy has this job for 70 years and his job is just to follow around the elephants and he has to pick up the elephant droppings and he does it every day for 70 years. And finally he comes to me. I mean, it's the opposite of Mooch. He works for 70 years and finally the boss says, look, you know, you should, you should retire and you should... Get... And he says, what? And leave showbiz. <laughs> very, very similar to your story, Mike. Uh, who, who were the winners and losers of this week? Mikey Robbins. Um, winner of the week has to be the legend himself, Laurie Oaks. What a great, what a great innings. Well done, mate. 
One of the nicest blokes you'll ever meet. And not many people know this. The original Parliament House was built around a young Laurie Oates. <laughs> they just put him in. Um, but don't you love... Don't you, I had him on the, on the radio this week, and I love the way... You know, if you've seen the Watergate film, yeah. the, 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 the deep throat and all that, it's in an underground car park, all very mysterious and shadowy. And he, his, the great leak of his career, where he was handed the whole of one of John Howard's budgets, mm. happened in a pub car park. In full daylight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the cam- That's the Australian way. The, the the winner of the week. I'm oh, sorry, the loser of the week. I have to be very careful about this. Is a, a bunch of taverns in London who have banned swearing. They what? Ba- they have what? banned swearing in the tavern. And here's the weird one. One of the taverns, which has been in London since 1784, under the same name. It's the okay. The name. First part of the name is a very old English name for a rooster. Begins with a C. Rhymes with sock. <laughs> Not a swear word. But here's my thing, is if you turn up there one day and go, excuse me, mate, is this the cock tavern? He goes, yes, it is, get out. (laughs) (laughs) So so any pub that tries to ban swearing has got to be my loser of the week. It's got to not have that name. Wendy Hummer, who were the winners? Well, you know, I think I'm a bit of the winner of the week because I was um, watching TV the other day and one of those fitness people came on and said, for just X amount of dollars a week, um, you can become a better version of yourself. (laughs) You know, and you can, you know, this one. You can live your real life and become a better version of yourself. And I just sat there watching this and I thought, you know, this is it. It's not getting any better. (laughs) Really, everyone else is going to have to deal with this. So, you know, you might as well pack up and go, lady. And I saved myself about 300 bucks. So I am the winner. I think I'm past self-improving, Richard. I really am. Um, This is it. It's, there's no Wendy 2.0. This is it. Sorry. We, we, we talked this week on the radio about, uh, you know, the older person you look up to and somebody said Dame Helen Mirren, they wanted to be like Dame Helen Mirren and somebody else said they wanted to be like Attenborough and somebody else said they want to be like those beaming ladies who do early morning swimming at Bondi Beach. That's what they want to be like. So you, you, you still have aspirations, don't you, to be well, something fabulous when you're 100? No, this is about as good as it gets, Richard. <laughs> I, um, I could say that. I could say something inspirational like that, but um, pretty. This is just. Oh God, you made me depressed now. Thanks. <laughs> You're staring ahead in no, no. <laughs> looking at nothing. You'd be warned, anyone driving in the opposite lanes to Wendy. Can me driving home soon? <laughs> Really, yeah. would you yeah. like to meet a better version of you? I would punch that person in the face, probably. <laughs> Hi, I'm the better version of you. You wouldn't want to say that or you get fined by the London pub Um, Winners and losers, Gary Eck Winners and losers, uh, well the losers always trump when I come on this show I was just reading today, you know... you know the film Sharknado? Is anyone yeah. familiar with this? Yeah. It's a film. It's this trashy film where they use, you know, C-grade actors. And basically the, the premise is uh, a tornado that sweeps up sharks from the ocean and then unleashes them on people in the land, yeah. right? And the sharks somehow manage to eat people. I don't know how. But... Wasn't Mick Fanning there? <laughs> no, that's right. Well, I think he was probably trying to punch them all in the head. But Trump, before he decided to become president, was asked to be the president in oh, Sharknado. That's right. I remember reading. But this. it wasn't Sharknado one; it was Sharknado three. <laughs> like they hadn't even offered him the first one, and the only reason they offered it to him was because Sarah Palin dropped out. Right? There was, apparently, there were script problems. You know? well, dropped, like, out uh, the, dropped out of the dropped out of the sky. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sarah, you're the shark. How do you how do you like playing that? But then Trump pulled out. He didn't want to do it or something because I think he wanted to brand the sharks Trump sharks or something. 
It's six months in and we're dealing with the fact that the leader of the free world is an overshaken can of Fanta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and on that note, can you please thank Mikey Robbins, Gary Eck and Wendy Hummer. See you later, boys. our band. This week, thanks for being part of TJF. Next week, Tar here, Tommy Dean and Gene Kitson with music from Marsha Hines, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Richard Glover. Thank God it's Friday. It's now over to the SCC, the cricket ground, to Andrew Moore sitting trackside on his little table. It's six o'clock. <laughs> <laughs>